Welcome into another edition of the Jungle Juice Podcast. It's Sam Gormley and Mick Nelson with you here on Thanksgiving Eve. Mick, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Sam, and also happy Thanksgiving to all who are uh, we're watching tonight. Um, yeah. yeah, we're we're, we're in a I guess a, a little bit better mood than the last time we talked. Yeah, time I, heals. We're definitely back in the uh, you know normal course of business, talking about the uh, you know. Game previews, game reviews, uh, got our sadness out of the way on Friday. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's still gonna be a lot of sadness that we're gonna have to, oh, yeah. to get out throughout tonight's show. But coming up on the show today, uh, we are obviously gonna talk about the Ravens game, but we're kind of gonna do it a little bit different because we're gonna talk a lot about the Burrow injury, the reaction to it, and so on. Then also, it's important, I think, Mick, to talk a little bit about the Jake Browning performance and some of the other things that we oh, yeah. liked from that game. Of course, we're going to dive all the way into the Steelers as well, because that is a huge game coming up on Sunday and a game that uh, is there's so many storylines other than it just being Bengals versus Steelers. Um, So we'll talk a lot about that. Uh, But we do also want to make sure that we give a shout out to our good buddy Josh Hiles over at WDN today. Make sure to follow his Facebook page, follow us on Facebook or subscribe to us on our YouTube channel or on your favorite podcasting platform as well. That we're, we're on all of those. Uh, Mick, I can give you our shout-out of the week from our country that tuned into last episode. Are you ready? Is it another European country? It is. It is another European country. Liechtenstein. I, not, a, Luxembourg. Luxembourg. Uh, we'll get a lot. Well, not, no, not, you're not really close. Shout-out to uh, our listener in Helsinki, Finland. Oh, who heck, tuned yeah, into yeah. Um, one of our last episodes. So we appreciate the Nordic country. There. Yes. Uh, I say, you know, I was complaining today that I walked out and it was like 40 degrees and I'm like, my goodness, it's cold. And I'm just thinking, oh, uh, <laughs> to them, that's summer. What, I'm assuming. What, what do they get? Like they get like uh, Canadian similar temperatures or weather. Would you? Think? I have. I mean, I can give it a Google to see what, what's like, the temperature in Helsinki, Finland today. I have, I wouldn't even know where to guess. I, I bet it's got to be, it's got to be colder than here, but it's got to be like, I don't know, Canadian, Wisconsin, you know, level, level weather. In Helsinki, Finland right now, it's 34 degrees. Today, it was a high of 36 and a low of 31. So there you go. If you tuned it's in today's episode colder, of Jungle yeah. Juice, um, it's going to be really cold this week there. I mean, uh, it's going to get down. I mean, on Sunday, luckily the Bengals Steelers game isn't happening there because it would be a high of 16 and that, that, that would be miserable. Absolutely miserable. Uh, but, uh, we got a lot coming in. You might, you probably not picking up, but I live right. The fire station is like two houses up from, from where I am and there's something going on. So if you're hearing sirens in the background, that that's, that's kind of what it is. I don't think it's picking up on the mic. I don't think I've quite that good of a mic that in there. They're coming from this way, and the mic's pointed this way, so luckily it, it shouldn't pop up. But, uh, Frank, appreciate you taking Hello, the time Frank. to tune in. Bengals-Ravens last week. Um, let's let's come back to the Burrow injury, because I feel like that's obviously the big story of the game. And let's not necessarily, since the game has been almost a week ago, I don't think we necessarily need to do the good, the bad, and the ugly from it, because it's been a week. Like, there's it's, it's for one, it's... So much of those points, to me at least, it might be a little different for you, Mick, got overshadowed, you know, halfway through the second quarter. 
or early in the second quarter, whenever the injury happened. And then from that point on, I was watching the game through a completely different lens and wasn't even thinking good, bad, and the ugly. I was more just thinking, is he okay? Yeah, don't don't worry, because you were watching the game through a different lens, and after the Burrow injury, the team was playing the game through a different lens as well. Like You could tell that they were absolutely drained, devastated from the injury on both sides of the football, by the way. Um, because... Believe it or not, the, the Bengals were technically in this game until halfway through the third quarter. And uh, I don't know. I just didn't expect the defense to be affected by this as much as they were because, you know, they had two stops in a row leading up to the Burrow injury. They had a, uh, I think they had at least one three and out, or maybe they were two three and outs in a row. One of the drives was capped off by Hendrickson sack. Can't remember what happened with the other one, but I know it was short. And you know the Bengals were able to kind of claw their way back and, and get it to a ten seven lead right before the injury, and then you know the injury happened, and it just seemed like the defensive side of the ball just gave up. Yeah, I think the the injury did, and and it's it makes sense. You know, when you lose your leader, when you lose your starting quarterback, that does take a lot out of you. At the same time, though. You got to be a little bit better. Like you, yeah. you can't. hundred percent. The defense, and I just read a quote right before we came on. Lou Anarumo today, I think, pretty much said something along the lines of the last two games not acceptable. And I think that's an um, understatement yeah. because the last two games, I think, an argument could be made that they're probably the worst two game stretch. I'm trying to think. You could maybe even make an argument to go back to that 2018 stretch of where the Saints like laid into them. It might not go quite back that far, but, and I'm not even talking yardage wise or points wise or something. I'm just talking about on the field performance. That's back to back, really rough games after the defense has been playing really well. I mean, they, they did yeah. a good job against a bills offense that, you know, yes, they fired their offensive coordinator, but it's not like that's me and you out there playing, you know, they got one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL did pretty well against the 49ers, you know, with Christian McCaffrey, who in my opinion is maybe the best running back in the league. And then you go back and did a really good job against the Seahawks offense. Again, not an elite offense, but it's not a bottom tiered offense either. Like they're going to play on Sunday. See, my, my take on this is that this unit, it's been a very inconsistent bunch this year because, yeah, you mentioned some good games, but there was also the game against Tennessee, which might be, I think it was probably their worst defensive performance this year. I know the Texans game could give them a run for their money. Uh, I, I'll say the Ravens game just because of the Burrow injury. We'll just throw that out and chalk that to the injury, just devastating the the entirety of the team the entirety of the defense but uh you've had the tennessee game the arizona game it looked like they were struggling a little bit they were missing a lot of tackles in that week uh the first ravens game and because we didn't walk away from the from the week two game against the ravens thinking oh well the bengals offense was the problem today they couldn't stop lamar jackson so i mean I don't know what type of – I feel like it's got to be a particular type of offense, right, where there's a mobile quarterback involved where, you know, I don't know, where, where, where the defense is struggling as much or are they just struggling against teams with good offensive lines, uh, except for Arizona, I guess, but in Tennessee. So it can't necessarily be that either. I'm just, I'm just not able to put my – 
finger on it, what, what this defense really struggles against. What I'm really curious is, is, you know, Baltimore, one of the things they do the best is they run the football. They do it really well. They have a good offensive line, and they do that. And the Bengals in that game, admittedly so, were without their best run stopper in, mm-hmm. in Sam Hubbard. Same thing with Houston. Houston ran the ball down their throats. I mean, you know, Devin Singletary had, what, like 150 yards rushing in the game? Some, something absurd like that. The, the Texans averaged like 3.3 yards per run. There's no reason that that game should have yeah. gotten out of hand. And, and that's where I'm kind of saying is I don't know that we can put, and I'm not blaming Sam Hubbard, but I'm more saying putting the blame on his injury as being the one reason as to why the defense has sucked the last couple of weeks. Yeah, no, I mean, it could definitely explain, like, why the run defense hasn't been nearly as good uh, the past couple of weeks. I mean, he is one of the best run defenders on the team. Um, you could tell that I think they were doing, you know, teams have been doing a lot more gap running against them where they're, they're running in between the tackles. And then they're, um, I think, you know, utilizing that misadvantage or that disadvantage where Sam has been out. But yeah, I mean, I do agree with Lou. It, it's got to get better. I mean, this team, if it's going to have any shot this year, which I don't frankly think it does, is going to have to rely on the defense. And we did see, I mean, we saw some improvements in terms of personnel decision making during the Ravens game as well. I think a big headline in that game was, uh, you know, my 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 prayers have finally been answered. Nick Scott got benched on Thursday, and and Lou Anarumo <laughs> pretty much said today without saying that Jordan Battle is going to start on Sunday as well. Good, good. He looked and, and Battle looks good. If we're going to talk about some bright spots in the game, I think Battle looked pretty good. Definitely uh, was making some key stops in the game. You think he he led the team in tackles and didn't even start for. A good quarter and a half. He still came away with twelve tackles. He, he looked just young and fresh. He looked, you know, excited to to hit somebody. It was, uh, I thought it was a pretty good game from him. Um, to me, one of the other standouts as far as good games in that game is a guy that we've been hard on. I know I I have specifically, and I think it's all been deserved. Joe Mixon had a really good game. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I I liked what the Bengals against a were good doing rushing early. defense yeah. too. Yeah, they were, they were, they were, I think it seemed like they were hitting all the right buttons in the, uh, you know, when Gerboa was playing, you know, they were running the ball a lot more. They were running a lot more under center with Joe Mixon. They were getting Joe Mixon involved in the pass game. I think he had like five receptions for 31 yards um, in the game. And they, and they haven't been able to really get him involved as much in the pass game as much as they'd like in previous matchups. So, I mean, that was pretty encouraging to see. And then, you know, should we go ahead and talk about Jake Browning a little bit? Yeah, let's let's go uh let's go burrow injury first and then lead into the end of the Jake Browning portion because then Jake Browning will kind of lead us into the Steelers as well. So okay, we talk so about let's, this what can we can I we can we do one more thing before we do that? Go for it. Officiating. We gotta talk officiating real quick. Uh, because I don't think we really touched on it on Friday. Uh, no, we, offici- we Friday we were way too depressed to even remember yeah. that there were bad calls in that game. The officiating in this game was might have been the worst officiated uh, Bengals game I think I've ever watched. Um, there was one, and I think this was probably the killer drive for the defense. You know, because it, you know they were getting stops on that drive, and and just everything didn't turn out right. But um, there were two. There was one questionable defensive pass interference call 
And then there was one completely phantom defensive pass interference call that, uh, frankly, should, you know, if, the, if these refs weren't union protected, uh, would, should get them fired um, after after that call was made. It was, it was, it was terrible, it, you know, and it, it definitely was, a, you know, something that helped the Ravens get a touchdown on that drive. I mean, that's 30 yards worth of penalties at least on two, one questionable call and one, you know, phantom call. So there's that. The delay of games, I think, were ridiculous. Um, you know, typically you see one a one-second grace period, too, where, you know, in between the play clock going to zero and then somebody snapping the ball, and, and that never gets called. They, these guys were calling delay of game as soon as that clock hit zero. And uh, Chris writes in and wants to know, do you have a new mic coming, Mick? So Chris got me a new mic. I got to wow. hook it up and stuff. I How just, about Chris just there? Scrambling here. Yeah. Brother-in-law of the year, right? I think we got to put him as a producer of the show now since he got me a uh, mic. We got to put him on the ribbon here. Credits? Or, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll just do here, end here. credits. We'll put executive here, producer Chris. I, I think I can, I can edit that on the fly as we're doing this. Um <laughs> Shout out to Chris. We'll just shout out to Chris, our executive producer. producer. Oh, uh, we're giving him even so, the executive yeah. throw, title. Throw him the EP here. Okay. That's my brother-in-law, everybody. It's my uh the, the man of the man of the hour. Um maybe here I'll we go. get him Let's... to come on and, and, and talk some football. There we go. Okay, he's he's gonna pop up there. Um, the other one that I really wanted to talk about is it kind of is in the same realm as you, Mick, is um, there you go. See, shout out to Chris, <laughs> our executive producer, <laughs> um, is <clears throat> in that same realm is the NFL this offseason, Mick. We got to figure out what the heck a catch is. Like, like in, in all seriousness, that Trent Irwin catch is I, I think every fan in the NFL knows that's a catch. Like, we have got to, I mean, listen, if the ball juggles just a little bit, I think back, wasn't it the Buffalo game in the playoffs where Jamar Chase made the great catch over the middle in the end zone? He goes down, falls down with a ball, and the ball just jiggles ever so slightly, and they overrule it. Like, by rule, should those have been overruled? Maybe. But but can we, uh, honestly, like, what are we doing in the NFL that we're, like, Am, am I wrong in saying this? Like, it, it just, like, we we got to do better at figuring out what the heck a catch is because in my eyes, and I think in probably even the defender's eyes, if they're being honest with themselves, that's a catch. The Trent Irwin one, that's a catch. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of torn on this, right? Because I think, like, the official's call was right in terms of what a catch is according to NFL rule standards. So, I mean, I don't know if I can blame the officiating on not calling that a catch, but the, but the, I don't really know what the definition of it in the rule book technically is. I think it's such a, uh, it's just so subjective that, you know, what constitutes as a catch or not. And wasn't that like third down and five? It was, it was a momentum killer killer for the offense. And the biggest part about it is who was quarterback at that point? I think it was one of Jake Browning's first drives. That was huge for him. He picks up that first, first down. Listen, do, do, 
do the Bengals win the game? If if that pass is complete, probably not. But you, you, you never know if they get points there. They would be right there intact with the Ravens. I don't think, I mean, listen, Jake Browning versus Lamar Jackson, you're not going to win that battle, uh, obviously, because, I mean, listen, Lamar, love him or hate him. I, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan in the world, and I've been open about that, but he's still, you know, obviously a much better quarterback than Jake Browning. But it's just like we have got to figure out here in the in the offseason how and what a catch is. Because right now, we're looking at this, and, and I mean, we can be like, oh, well, by rule, that's not a catch. But in all reality, like, come on. Like, like the, the little, you know, like I got my little ball here. This is not even like a, a, you know, a football. But, you know, that little juggle is it's like, is that really... I mean, I don't know if uh, anything's going to happen out of it. Though. I, I, mean, I don't think to it will. This out for for a long time, ever, pretty much ever since instant replay. Bryant. Yeah. Well, I, I would say they were even trying. There were even issues before the Des Bryant thing. I mean, just the fact that the Des Bryant thing happened in a huge playoff game and pretty much decided who went to the NFC Championship that game. Um, I think put it under a little more scrutiny. But there was a few other plays. I mean, how the um, I think it was. Pittsburgh, New England, 2017. I think a Jesse James uh, touchdown that ended up getting overturned because of that exact thing. I mean, I don't know. I, I can't really blame the officiating on that, but that's just an NFL rule that just the NFL catch rule is and, just it's and and honestly, Riley's oh, right here. Yeah. He writes in and says here that the hip drops, and I think that's yeah, honestly let's a good on thing. This a little we, bit too, before yeah, we talk I mean, about the. Uh, the whole burrow injury. And we'll get to that. Cause we talked about it on Friday. Riley writes in, he says, but they're going to be in hit pip drops. Don't worry. The NFL knows what they're doing. The, the outlash. And even it was from John Harbaugh, uh, about against Logan Wilson, pretty much insinuating he's a dirty player. And I know Logan Wilson spoke today and said how he's gotten messages. His wife has gotten messages from Ravens fans. Like, listen, I didn't think either one of those tackles were even close to dirty it's no. one of those like it's it's football and even you saw it there in the art and i saw a espn thing and listen i i'm gonna mention the name mick and i'm not sure if you saw we're this talking about the bart scott versus yes. ryan clark yes. debate yes shout out to ryan clark by the way for for having a brain yes discussion. but but any that was hilarious and if you haven't seen it uh bart scott pretty much says logan wilson's dirty was pretty much his long story short short of what he was saying. And Ryan Clark's like, that's football. Mick, can, can we go back to, what was it, in 2021? Wasn't this the same guy that went on ESPN saying that Joe Burrow is a red dot and the Ravens are coming for him? Like, that's not dirty, but a a, a tackle on a tight end is? Like, Mark Scott on. might be the biggest clown in all of sports media, and that includes Booger. That includes uh, who else is a clown? Skip. That that includes uh, us. Us. Us too. <laughs> Definitely includes Alex Schubert. Um, oh dang! <laughs> Alex Schubert getting strays, and he's not even on the show. Uh, but yeah, no, that's uh, Bart Scott. Terrible, terrible take by Bart. I mean, he's also the same one that said that T, T. Higgins intentionally caused DeMar Hamlin to go into cardiac arrest. The guy's a freaking idiot. And that's a, you know, that's a very nice way of putting some, it. ESPN keeps him employed just because he has these awful, awful takes. I, it, that's the only reason they keep him employed. 
I mean, yeah. I don't know why they'd want to associate themselves with, themselves with this guy who's making all these, uh, you know, all these outlandish claims about Bengals players being dirty when just normal football things happen. This is also the same guy that he, you know, he he was he played right next to a professional headhunter in Ray Lewis. You think Ray Lewis was out there to? Uh, I'm not saying Ray Lewis played dirty. He played. 2000 styles football but he, he really did, you he played did do, it did do some dirty things allegedly in atlanta yeah alleged, allegedly he played allegedly. next to an alleged murderer alleged alleged, alleged. we're not accusing alleged. Alleged. Not, yeah. yep. allegedly don't come after us ray uh yeah no please <laughs> please I, I don't want to see him in a dark alley um <laughs> of all people like he might be in nfl history the last guy i'd want to see like if I get into a dark alley and I see him across the way, like I I'd run the other way, uh, because <laughs> I I don't want him anywhere near us. Um, but to, to shift gears, sticking in the injury category is we got to talk about it. You know the Joe Burrow injury, and we talked about it on Friday. If you missed it, you can go back to our show from Friday where we had pretty much our immediate reactions with our good buddy Tommy Lipscomb. Uh, you can find that on our podcast platforms, you know, all the different ways for you to do that. Uh, we had a good conversation with him, and that was kind of our immediate thing. But I think in the days that have gone uh, along, oh, of course, this guy's going to write in here. Our, my, you know, Brian Love writing in. Of course, we get the Steeler fan that starts to Who write in. Who is this guy? This is uh, my former boss. Oh, oh, this uh, is uh, Flip Daddy's Brian. Yes, this is not probably the Brian you're thinking of because I had two Brian's that were bosses at Flip Daddy's. Oh. Um, this is not uh, B hole. This is B love, as we called him, and uh, he has Which very poor taste in football. Both were. So oh, we had two. Shit. I had two yeah, kitchen small. bosses. Um, but I, I think you're probably thinking the other one. The other one, but uh, whichever still. one went, went to Newport. That yeah, that's that's B hole. So B love okay. is the other one. Um, shout out to B hole though, if he's if he's listening, probably not. We should have gotten B love on here to talk some Steelers. Oh, I don't think we need that. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I heard I heard from him enough well, in the year. We'll give your comments some love out here. To see if there's I, I heard enough from him in like the year and a half that I worked with him that I didn't need to. Well, don't what, need what, to have him. What? So when would this have been the thing? Oh, this was I, I worked with him the day of the game. Oh, the the game the the game. In 20, you know, 15, 16. Yeah, that one. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not fun. Not fun. Not fun. <laughs> Not fun. I was I was very depressed. But the Burrow injury, and I think the fan reaction to it has been very interesting, Mick. Because I think we've seen, and I think it's hilarious that we always talk about the couple stages of grief. And we're seeing everybody go through these stages of grief at different points. Like, we have the people that are denial. Like, oh, Zach Taylor didn't necessarily say in the press conference earlier this week that he is officially out for the season. They haven't put him on IR yet. Maybe this is all just a facade, and he's actually going to come back. We have that denial phase. We have the yeah, anger phase. <laughs> yeah, we have the anger phase of people getting mad because he got hurt, and they're just wanting somebody to blame. I mean, they'll they'll literally blame anybody. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm shocked that Logan Wilson didn't get blamed for that as well. I mean, he's already gotten blamed for other injuries. But I've just been very interested in all of the different reactions from it. Uh, and then you have like Vegan. You know, I'm in grief, and I feel like that's where I am. Is I'm just like this 
this sucks. And see, here's Riley. Riley is probably in more of the, uh, he's looking for somebody to blame and he's blaming Frank Pollock. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying whether I agree or disagree. I'm more just saying that we've seen here, even in just these comments. But Mick, what have been your takeaways from the fan reactions to the Burrow injury? And my takeaways, I mean, I've just got one piece of advice. It's, you know, guys, it's football. It's tough. It stinks that we're going through this after we went through it four, you know, three years ago, I guess. But, you know, with every, you know, tragic thing that happens, there comes opportunity. You know, if the season is somewhat lost, I mean, you are going to see potentially more rookies get some playing time. You can see their potential there. You're going to see draft position become a big thing. And, you know, I've said this. I said this in the offseason because of the whole or, you know, before the season because of the whole burrow calf injury thing. We weren't sure how serious it was at the time. But in terms of tanking and, and, and getting good draft position, you see really good NFL franchises do this sometimes. You've seen the Niners pick top five plenty of times, and they've been in NFC contention for the greater majority of Kyle Shanahan's tenure there. You've seen Harbaugh do this sometimes with the Ravens, where they 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 have a dud year once every once every three, four, five years, where they're picking a little bit higher. You know, it's football. It is it, it is what it is. This championship window for the franchise doesn't close until Joe Burrow is gone and hopefully they find, you know, a really good successor 15 years from now. But, um, you know, I understand where a lot of people are coming from. A lot of people are angry. I was, I was initially angry the day after. Uh, and I kind of agree with Riley still is in, in terms of firing Frank Pollock. I mean, let's face it, Sam, this, uh, this franchise has spent the money and resources necessary to have a decent offensive line. And they still don't have one. I feel like the Frank Pollock conversation will almost need to, because I've begin, I'm starting to begin the process of sadly our off season. Like we we've been talking, Mick and I off air about how to keep our shows going during the off season and how some of our topics were gonna go. And I think Mick, if we were being honest, when we had that conversation, what about four weeks ago or so, we were yeah. probably thinking that we were gonna have shows pretty much planned at least through the end of January. You know, we were probably feeling pretty good about this. And now we're like, oh, we've got like three extra shows that we need to need to plan now of other things to talk about. And I feel like one topic and maybe like one of the first shows after is almost going to be the Frank Pollock and the offensive line. Like and just do one entire show dedicated to that in the offseason when we can spend look at the numbers and so on and see what the real answer is. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's something we have to look at and. You know, the defense the defense has been bad this year, but, you know, you kind of give them a little bit of a pass because of how much turnover they have. But the offensive line just should have gotten better, it feels like. And I honestly think last year's line was better than this year so far this year. Even though the sack numbers were slightly, you know, were down a little bit, the pressure numbers were up. Joe's average time to throw went down. Like, I hate, I hate it when people think it's just because the sack numbers weren't, is bad this year that the offensive line played any better. Let's go into Jake Browning. You know, we've talked about Burrow getting injured. Jake Browning comes into the game. We touched on this a little bit on Friday night as well, but, but looking back, the more I've been able to think about it, I think Jake Browning considering again, like I said on Friday is, you know, 
he could not have been thrown into a worse situation. On the road, I think they were losing at the time he comes. No, I guess they were up. Well, did the Ravens go back on top? Regardless, it doesn't matter. It's a close game on the road, prime time, short week, star quarterback, division rival, and a game that really, if we're being honest, the Bengals had to win to win the division. They had to win that game. It could not have been worse. I mean, and I know Jake Browning in his press conference today said pretty much like he hadn't taken any like first team reps in a long time because he'd been scout team guy because that's your job as a backup quarterback. And I think considering all of those things, Mick, he did okay. He did fine. Yeah, I was fine with Jake Browning and the way that he played. Um, That's about as tough of a situation as you can get thrown into is, you know, you're pretty much going up against the a top five NFL defense potentially. I mean, they're number they're number one in points per game given up. Um, you know, dealing with you know players like Roquan Smith and Adafi Owe, um, Patrick Queen. I mean, Patrick you could just Queen. keep on you could keep on naming guys prime, that they are prime time football, like you said. And on the road, you know, I don't know that, that I mentioned could have that. been a very disastrous. It really could have been a disastrous game from Jake Browning or final final half and you know half of the quarter. But no, he looked pretty good. Uh, the stat line won't wow you at all by any means. He's what I think eight of 14, 69 yards, uh, 68 yards, had a touchdown to Jamar Chase at the very end. Uh, it showed some good escapability too. Uh, four rushes for 40 yards. Um, and that's where, like, we're doing the we, we kind of did the McCarron versus Browning debate. That's kind of where I like Browning a little bit more than McCarron just because of the escapability factor that, that Browning has. So he, he's got a little bit more of the Houdini in him. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas JJ McCarron, I think we might have more Houdini in, in us, Mick, than, than he does. Uh, yeah. And yeah. that says a lot because we are both very out of shape <laughs> in our own ways. Uh, and neither one of us would, would be able to live as an NFL quarterback. No, no, I'd be, I'd be out within like five snaps. Oh, I would make it one. <laughs> I, I'd but probably yeah. spike it. Can I spike it five times? Does that count? Take a kneel? No, nah, I wouldn't trust like... your knee. No, not trusting your knee on the kneel down, spike it. Yeah. I could go down with my right knee. Yeah, spiking. I feel like I could at least spike it five times in a row and not screw that up. Uh, but I think overall, Jake Browning, now did he do a lot to install? Like, am I now going in like, oh my goodness, we've got Jake Browning as our starting quarterback? No, of course not. But at the same time, am I sitting here like I was with Ryan Finley, if we're being honest? No. See, there was some hope with Ryan Finley, though. Was there? 2019 there was because he had that really good preseason and then like Andy got benched on his birthday and then you're like oh yeah let's see what Finley's got then that was bad if you're talking about the 2020 start against the Steelers I mean I guess we should have had more faith in him to begin with but we did I mean it's that again like I like I said on Friday one of my all-time favorite Bengals wins Without question, it will always go down for this. And listen, Jake Browning can have another one of those because I think that this Steelers team this year and that Steelers team have a lot in common. I think this is probably perfect for us to transition into talking about this game and the fact that that Steelers team was 
what, like 11 and two at that point, some, something along the lines of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, this Steelers team is seven and four or whatever the record is. And I think that both of those teams are vastly overrated as far as their record. Like, I don't think either one of those teams, I mean, this team is not great. And that team a couple of years ago was definitely not 11 and two good. And that has to give you a little bit of hope moving into a game on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. I mean, I think this will be a fairly like decent game. I'm not expecting a whole lot of points to get scored, but you know, that was also with Matt Canada calling plays. I don't know like how different it's going to be. There's a lot of unknown out out there. Did they name a new, uh, so they promoted their they promoted their quarterback coach. Let's let's talk about that here in just a moment. I want to go through. Let's go through the injury report. How about that? Okay. We'd like to start yeah. off when we talk about this. For the Bengals, we have to mention it because by NFL rules, technically he did not practice with a right wrist injury because he's not been placed on IR yet. Joe Burrow. He was listed on the injury report. Um, I I'm a little interested as to the reasoning as to why he hasn't been put on IR yet. Uh. I, I don't really know. My my assumption is, and I don't know this because we're going to get to this in a moment, is that Chase Brown entered his 21-day window as he was activated from IR. So I'm interested if they're waiting to see if Chase Brown can go on Sunday and that he'll take Joe Burrow's spot. They'll go with technically only one quarterback on the active roster, but use A.J. McCarron and pull him up three straight weeks from the practice squad to kind of save one of those roster spots unless they, they might need it. That's my assumption as to what the reasoning is behind it, but but it is a little, little bit odd that they haven't immediately put him on IR. Uh, the other do not practice, Higgins. T. Higgins did not practice with that hamstring injury. D.J. Reader did not practice with an illness, and Cam Taylor-Britt did not practice with a quad. That Higgins injury just continues to hang over the heads of the Bengals. Yeah, and and, and depending or depending on what's going to happen these these last few weeks, you might want to consider whether it'd be worth it to even trot him out there for the rest of the season or not. I mean, and you got to think he might be thinking this in the back of his head too because of you know. At the same time, this is a hamstring. This is not him coming back from an Aaron Rodgers Achilles. This is not him, you know, it's... I mean, Justin Jefferson's been out six weeks with a hamstring injury. Yeah, I, I don't and think... I'm, I, I, I'm more just saying that I'm not sure it's something that, like, they can be re-aggravated, but I don't know that he's going to lose himself money because he has a little bit of a hang, hamstring issue. You know what I mean? No, but it, it, it you know, I, I'm not sure what, you know, if you had a hamstring injury, is it, you know, is... I don't... It, it might hamper your play a little bit, but you know you don't want to aggravate. I wonder if you know, is there any chance of re-injury, or is there a higher chance of injuring other parts of the body that are essential to a player because their hamstrings hampered up? I'm not sure, but yeah, you you see that too with some of those injuries. It'll lead to Achilles and so on. You can see that mm-hmm. because they are putting more pressure on that. I don't know uh, the CTB injury. I know as Megan writes in, you know about CTB, that one's a little bit concerning, but at the same time, considering the team you're going up against, this would be a game that you're... You'd be okay with them missing. Exactly. Is It's not the end of the world when you're going up against the Steelers team that we'll talk about their wide receivers here in a a few minutes, but it's not like they're world beaters when it comes to that. Limited practice. Akeem Davis-Gaither was limited with a knee. 
that to me is that knee injury injury that held him out a couple of weeks ago for a couple of weeks. I think this was probably just one of these things like, hey, we had a couple of days off. Let's just work you back in. I don't read anything into that. BJ Hill limited with a knee. Uh, Yoshi was back today. He was limited with a knee. And the big one is Sam Hubbard back to limited with an ankle injury. And that's that would be huge to have him back on Sunday against the Steelers. As far as full, Chase Brown, full. Again, he's in that 21-day window. Since he was full practice today, that tells me more than likely that he could potentially be back. Trenton so Irwin, full. What's the story with AJ McCarron? He's on the practice squad. So, yeah, so you were talking about him potentially getting elevated. So can you elevate a quarterback? Is it a quarterback-only thing where... So you can elevate somebody from the practice squad three times. So you get those practice squad designations. You can do it three times in a season before they they cannot be... They have to be put on the active roster. Okay. So you can do that three times in a year. So that's, and again, I, I don't know that that's the case. It wouldn't shock me if literally in five minutes we get a notification says Joe Burrow's been placed on IR, A.J. McCarron's been signed to the active roster. Like, that would not surprise me. I'm just trying to read into as to why it hasn't happened yet. Because even theoretically, if Joe Burrow gets the uh, some of the Aaron Rodgers magic juice and the, the Patrick Mahomes, you know, whatever Patrick Mahomes puts on his ankles and is miraculously cured in six weeks... Theoretically, if he's put on IR, he can come back in four weeks, anyways. So it's not like it's not like he's coming back in four weeks. Like he's not coming back this season, anyways. So I, I don't really know what the holdup is, and I'm trying to read in between the lines, and that's the only reason I can come up with. Gotcha. For the Steelers, George Pickens did not practice today with a shin injury, and Minka Fitzpat if I can talk, Minka Fitzpatrick did not practice with a hamstring injury. So two big ones on each side of the ball. One of their top targets as far as wide receivers and their best, I mean, one of their best players on defense, on a defense that's really good. Um, And I think if you're Jamar Chase and you're seeing no Minka, you'd probably be saying, okay, hello, Joey Porter. Welcome to the NFL, bud. Uh, Limited in practice today, James Pierre with a shoulder, Nick Herbig with a hamstring, and Montrevious Adams with an ankle. Uh, all of their guys that went full today that were on the injury report were all rest guys, so it's not even worth Like Cam Hayward is technically on the injury report because he didn't practice yesterday because he rested, so it's not like there's no point in me mentioning it because he doesn't have anything going on. That's That guy shouldn't report. even practice at all. He should just play Sunday, and that's it at this point. And he probably career. would still be really, Pretty really good. good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess speaking of him leads us into the first – uh, part of this is Bengals offense against that Steelers defense. Uh, I mean, best front four in football, Mick? Um, I don't know if it's the best front four in football. It's pretty good, though. I'd say it's probably top five, top, top, five, top ten, maybe. I mean, um, you're looking at T.J. Watt, who is arguably the best edge rusher in football. Uh, you're looking at Alex Highsmith, who I think is a highly underrated. Like he's never talked about in that upper tier, but he always produces. Larry Ogunjobi, you know, is is always solid there in the middle. And then obviously Cam Hayward, we just talked about him. It's a really, really solid group. And it's kind of one of those things of, hey, Jake Browning, um, you're going to start and uh, good luck. <laughs> so, you know. Not to put too much slander on TJ Watt because I like TJ Watt and I think he's a good player. I don't, I don't think, think he's one Watt. of the. I don't think he's one of the best 
edge rushers in football. His his pass rush win, win rate is not that high when in when you're considering things. It's honestly like not even it's tied for fiftieth in the league amongst all edge rushers. Whereas Miles Garrett is number one and Micah Parsons number two and hell you got Trey Hendrickson in here at number nine. So I don't know, but the thing is, is that you know, yeah, T.J. Watt doesn't win in pass rush as often as other edge rushers do, but when he does, they come at key moments or they they produce key results. You know, henceforth, him finishing with the sack almost every time he gets a pressure, and that is huge for you know, for for uh, an NFL defense. So. And then I like I like that you mentioned Alex Highsmith there too. Alex Highsmith is probably the it's the one two duo aspect of it is probably the tough part for the Bengals offensive line to handle and for Jake Browning to handle. Um, because the thing with TJ Watt really well both of them is that they're not always coming from the edge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. Sometimes they're at the lined up at linebacker or or you know, up they, the middle three tech yeah. like. Yep. You see him run stunts and so on, and that's going to be the hardest part for a young quarterback to learn how to do. Because you 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 can't like Joe Burrow is is lucky in the realm that he's faced the Steelers however many times in his career. He's starting to learn those things. Jake Brown, you it's such a you know a talented defensive line that it's you can't just learn those things watching film. Yeah, no, you you you've got to see it in real time. I feel like. You know, Browning's going to have to rely heavily on Ted Karras to kind of sniff out those stunts, which he's been kind of hit or miss on throughout the entire season. Um, yeah, it's going to be a pretty tough matchup. I mean, it, it, it's it's not fun when you're, you know, an NFL quarterback just now getting your, your first few, your first chance at live action in a game and you're going up against the Ravens and, in Steelers in back-to-back weeks. So, I mean, going to have to find a way to figure it out. Now the pass rush is pretty good for the Steelers, but I would say their coverage game isn't that great. Yeah, you were leading right into my next point. Yeah, so, I mean, you've got really good receivers, and, yeah, I mean, they're, they've are they got one good coverage guy in Joey Porter Jr. and then Minka Fitzpatrick if he's playing. Um but you're, you know, you've got also you're going up against corners like Patrick Peterson and and, uh, and who's the other guy? I don't want to forget this guy here. Um, you're Patrick going up Peterson. against Patrick Peterson is 75 years old though. Yeah, yeah, and Levi Wallace. That's the other name I was thinking about. Both of them have given up passer ratings over 100 this year and have graded pretty poorly um, in coverage this year. I mean, so. I don't know if T's going to come back, but you still have a pretty, um, a pretty good, competent group of receivers to go up against these defensive backs. I think so. You got to find a way to get the ball in the playmakers' hands there. Realistic expectations for Jake Browning on Sunday. What are your realistic expectations? We talk about stats, or are we talking about like overall productivity. How, however, I mean that you can take that however you want to. I could see him throwing for maybe two, two hundred yards. I don't see him throwing for more than two hundred yards against 
against this defense. I got, I agree with Josh. I don't know. Yeah, I think Josh hit the nose on the head. Is in a lot of ways, I think you're almost telling Jake Browning, and you tell him this without telling it him exactly, is don't lose the game. Yeah. I think he can game manage. I mean, I don't think he – I think Jake's pretty smart with what he does with the football. Um, you know, and, and, and then the escapability thing, he can kind of get himself out of trouble there with his legs. Um, you know, the only issue is, is like, you know, Browning just ha- doesn't have um, – a very good arm. It's, uh, you know, I, th- I think he kind of makes Chad Pennington's arm look like, you know, Patrick Mahomes's. I mean, that's, do we really have to mention a Marshall quarterback here uh, on this podcast? Yeah, but Chad Pennington's always been known as the weak armed quarterback, like the, the most recognizable weak armed quarterback in, in the history of football is Pennington. So I, yeah, I, I think Browning's arm is pretty weak. You don't really see, see nearly the same zip on the ball that you see with Burroughs. Um, I like Tommy's prediction, 196 yards for Here, a touchdown. Here's the question, Mick. I tell you this and tell you nothing more. Okay. Bengals win, Bengals win that game or no? Uh yes. I don't know. I it really I think it could go either way with that stat line for real. Uh you know, I, th- I think for me, if, if I would have told you 196 and two touchdowns, you probably would say Bengals win, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd say Bengals win that game. Uh, and I think that, that that to me is, is I really want to see Jake Browning, because I know Jake Browning said in his press conference today, it was really funny, too. He, he pretty much sat up there, and it was kind of one of these things that he goes like, now you guys want to talk to me. Like, <laughs> he's, because they said, uh, like, how was your week change? I think James Rapine's first question to him was that. And uh, he goes, well, now this Wednesday press conference thing's a little different. <laughs> like, usually now I'm sitting in the back and nobody's trying to talk to me or anything. But um, it's uh, it, it was just kind of funny listening to him with that. But he pre- he said that he told Dan Pitcher, the Bengals quarterback coach, on Saturday. So this past Saturday, he texted him and said, I want you to create the game plan as if Joe Burrow is playing. Like, I, I don't want this to be a backup quarterback game plan. And I, I respect him for saying that. I'll be interested to see. Like, I don't think they're going to go to the full burrow, but will they go full backup quarterback? I'm hoping we see something in between from what the game plan is. That's the one thing I really like about Browning is that he's got a lot of confidence. You know, he's got a really good head on his shoulders, too. Um, when he's I played up, in some big games, he has, he has, he's played in some big games. I think, did he make it to the CFP one year with Washington? He played the Rose Bowl. It's either in him or Eason. One of the, one of those two quarterbacks made it. Cause I remember Washington was definitely in the CFP at least once. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's played in some big games. I mean, he received Heisman votes in Washington. Like he was a good college quarterback and, um, you know, I was pretty impressed with a couple of his pressers that I watched over the over the past week. It seems like he's kind of ready for this opportunity now. You know, going up against you know NFL defenses is, you know, in in regular season play, it's a little bit different. But you're you're telling me that the Steelers' defensive front is a little bit different than going up against Arizona State. Yeah, just a tiny. Is that bit. what you're saying? A tiny bit. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm, I'm pretty intrigued in the, in the, what, and, Jake and you know what, 
Riley says this, if it's standard Zach Taylor play calling, then it'll be a bunch of dump off passes and short yardage. Honestly, that's what I would call for this game for Jake Browning. You're trying to build that man's confidence up against a really good defensive line. Let your playmakers make plays. Yep. Like and I, he kind of did that. I mean, he he definitely made a few like shot plays during the game. Like I honestly thought he threw the ball more downfield than I typically saw Burrow doing um, when he was playing against the Ravens last week. Ditto, Josh. Ditto, Josh. Amen. Couldn't agree with a quote. I can't love a comment from the stream on, on this side, but I would hit you up with a love on that if that means anything to you. Same Let's switch gears. And talk about the Bengals' defense against the Steelers' offense. Earlier this week, I guess it was yesterday, it comes out that Matt Canada has been fired as the Steelers' offensive coordinator. Does that actually matter, Mick? It kind of scares me a little bit. And the only reason why I say this, and this really only applies to head coaches, I don't, I, I don't really have a good history of you know coordinators getting fired mid-season. How does that unit respond? But just any time you see a head coach get fired uh, in the middle of the season, you see that team just dominate in the next week. So, you know, ergo the, the Raiders this year with, with Antonio Pierce. So I am worried that, you know, there's just going to be a, an entirely different offensive game plan. And, you know, the players are going to respond really well to Matt Canada getting fired, which I think they – how could they not? Um. And it's not like they don't have a lot of talent on the uh, on the offensive side of the ball. So yeah, I mean, I, I am a little worried about about Canada getting fired. And did they did they announce a new guy? Who's they the promoted their quarterback coach. Do you have any? They promoted their it? quarterback coach. Yeah. I don't know. It's some guy. If I'm being honest, Mick, this might shock you, but I'm not an expert on the quarterback coach of the team. I despise more than anything. I don't know. I saw his name. I'd never heard of him. But then again, I didn't really read his name enough to process whether I'd heard of him or not. Oh, my God. Uh, Terrell Austin's really their defensive coordinator? Yeah, you didn't know that? He's been there a couple of years. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Um, it's kind of funny. Eddie Faulkner is this guy's name. Okay. Yeah, see, that that man could... We could have invited him on the podcast tonight, Mick, and I've had, I would have had no idea who he was. Well, no. running backs coach, um, so... I thought he was the quarterback coach that was promoted. No, he was the running backs coach. Facts are optional, I guess, in this podcast. Anyways, um, so running backs coach. So I wonder if they'll uh, give the ball to Najee a little bit more or if they give it to Oh, it's co-offensive coordinators. Okay, it's co-offensive coordinators. So actually, so what it says here is that Eddie Faulkner, this is weird, is the offensive coordinator and Mike Sullivan is the offensive play caller. So Mike Sullivan is their quarterbacks coach, which that's a little odd. But uh, so your I guess it's coordinator is not your play caller. I, I I don't know, but well, this says I don't know. It's it's <laughs> both of them are in in the realm though. It's it's so I wasn't necessarily completely wrong on that. But Mick, you you, you mentioned that the Steelers' offense has talent. Yeah. If I'm being one hundred percent honest, do they really? Like like let's talk Kenny Pickett here for a second. I don't think Kenny Pickett is, is, is. I don't think Kenny Pickett kind of suck. Like I'm, and I again, I'm trying Matt to take Canada. off. I think it's entirely a Matt Canada issue. Is because, it though? Yeah, you put you you had Trubisky in at some point during the Jaguars game this year, and obviously started off the year last year. Both quarterbacks have graded the same. 
in terms of their overall production and, and, and the in the you know you're using Mitchell Trubisky as a yeah, I mean, here's the thing: if if Pickett wasn't that bad, then Trubisky should be a significant improvement, then, right? I mean, well, I, I, I'm just I don't think he's that that bad, but I think Mitchell Trubisky is who he is. Yeah, I, I, who, who would you take right now? Just who would you take in terms of Mitchell pure, Trubisky or, or or Kenny Pickett? Can I pick Jake Browning? No, who do you pick, Trubisky or Pickett? Gosh, uh, I, I maybe pick it more just based on that he's younger, but I don't know that there's that much of a difference between the two. Is that I, I just like to me, we're in the stage of the NFL, and this could be another offseason topic for us as well because we'll probably take some time to dive into all the AFC North teams because it matters. Is you have to have a dude at the quarterback position. Because you think in the you know in the last twenty years, in my opinion, only two teams have won a Super Bowl without a dude at quarterback. I I, I don't think Nick Foles falls in that category with the Eagles, and Joe Flacco with the Ravens. Other than that, pretty much every other Super Bowl champion had a guy as you know a dude. You could even in some instances say that the Super Bowl runner up. Every single year, even had most of those. Is Russell Wilson a dude? Yes, when he when he was like when he was in the Super Bowl, he absolutely was. He was one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, now he's not. But I mean, we could talk about him being carried by a great defense, though. That was probably. Yeah, but and we and we're gonna say 2015 Peyton Manning was a dude. Yes, he was still yes. Mr. He was helping out by touchdowns and eighteen interceptions in twenty fifteen. Peyton Manning, yeah, but still, I, I think you're understanding more of what my point is to be, though. Yeah, is it's yes. just like the NFL, even more so, has to switch into the you. You gotta have a guy at the quarterback position, and I don't think I have seen one thing that makes me think Kenny Pickett is the guy. Now, you might be right, Mick, that he comes out and he looks like he's what the Steelers fans have been hoping for on Sunday. And it really has been Matt Canada. I just don't believe it. I really think for the most part, getting rid of an offensive play caller is a scapegoat. I would say that if, if you didn't get similar quarterback production from the backup and the offense also didn't look, the offense looked just as dysfunctional as a whole with Trubisky playing. So I really, you know, it's kind of like the fool me once, shame on me, fool me once, shame on you with Matt Canada. It's like, it's not like his scheme was working for the other guy either. So, I mean, and we could talk about, you know, Trubisky and all of his shortcomings as much as we want, but Trubisky is a guy that has had success at the NFL level at various points in his career. So, yeah, I mean, I I don't want to. I'm I'm not going to say Pickett is a bad starting quarterback because I don't think he is. I don't think he's, he's great middle, by any means. I think his ceiling is Andy Dalton. Best. I think his his ceiling is Andy Dalton. Which honestly, yes, like I, yeah. I feel like maybe a little bit better than Andy Dalton, but I, I I'd can't say about see, the exact. Yeah, same. yeah, yeah. I and I think that's kind of what the point is that I was making is that. So you're telling me that you're playing Andy Dalton on Sunday. 
Like that that's what I'm hearing as as an NFL. And we have a defense like the Bengals that has been struggling, and you're saying you're going up against Andy Dalton without his top maybe his best wide receiver, George Pickens. This is a get right. This is a get right game for the defense. They have to get it right. Now you do have other receivers you got to deal with because yeah, Pickens is out, but Fryermuth's coming back and they've had issues covering tight ends this year. Um, obviously Deontay Johnson, which I'm not sure what is going on with him. I heard that he had some type of uh, nothing physical, but some type of vocal riff with the coaches during the Browns game. So I'm just not sure what, what his you know mindset is right now. You've got Allen Robinson, who is, uh, well, he's frankly a shell of himself uh, at this point in his career. But thing is, they, they do have one really good running back that's not Najee Harris, uh, but Jalen Warren. He's been coming out and playing really well as that really well the past few weeks, um, especially in the past game. It, it seems like he's the only functioning uh, part of their offense the past few weeks. So they've got some guys on there. It's not like they don't have talent. Yeah. It's just like, I I don't know. I am very interested to see how they, because like you said, when a guy gets fired, teams either rally or they fold. And it'll be interesting to see if these guys can take this. And, and honestly, I, I can't tell whether the week of the offensive coordinator getting fired is a great time to play an offense or a bad time. Like I can't, I can't tell which side I want to be on as far as that, because you're getting these guys who are trying to find their way, but finding their way can almost be a good thing and a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, just from recent memory, I mean, how the the Bills fired Dorsey a couple weeks ago or a week ago, and they went up against a top five Jets defense and hung up 32 points on them. So, I mean, that's something. Now I know it's Josh Allen and company there, but, you know, this is Kenny Pickett. But, I mean, that's just, you know, that's something that's recent that's happened with, with the coordinator getting fired. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm very intrigued, though. Game information for this Sunday, 1 o'clock, Ian Eagle and Charles Davis will be back on the call. So, if you get to watch that, you get uh, that gift if you like. The ruler of the jungle, Mick, Domata Pecco. I love it. I love it. Yeah. We've uh, seen Domitai at, at public places a lot as kids, honestly. I mean, oh yeah, and and I know that most people. I mean, you you could see all the stories of. I don't know that anybody has a has had a negative interaction with that guy. No. No, that's uh, uh, just a great human being, uh, and I'm really excited that he gets to come back and and be the ruler of the jungle. Uh, the main will be flowing, and I'm here for it. Uh, the half. Oh, he's got. To. I mean, he's got to. He's I would. To. I would assume he does. I just. Yeah. Oh yeah, he absolutely has to with that. Uh, the halftime show, though, Mick, is maybe what I'm the most excited for on Sunday. It's our <laughs> favorite. It's our favorite <laughs> halftime show matchup: the kids versus the mascots. Honestly, I might be more intrigued in this than the actual game. Oh, with, without question. I mean, listen. Can 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 I bet on that on DraftKings? Like, is that something that I can do? Which which mascot will almost kill a kid i i saw oh, a comment it's the, always gapper it was the cincinnati bearcat a couple of years ago i remember that that did something like that too i uh i i'm really interested i i saw a, a comment on the who day nation facebook page where a guy said uh 
it is borderline child abuse, and I love it. <laughs> I think uh, Gapper and in, in the Cyclone. I, I think is Gapper going to be in this one? Do you think? I got to imagine. Maybe we'll think- have to. We'll have to uh, put like a uh, a wager on it, but when we see it, we see the mascots on which mascot almost kills a kid. I'm gonna go with Gabber or the face Cyclone. Face. Does it probably? I, I gotta see him. I gotta see him day day up. You're just lucky the Big Red from Western Kentucky is gonna be in there because he'd be able to to do. On I think uh, I think Victor Viking is gonna be there from NKU. He's oh, usually big, at he, that one. Yeah, big Big Red's the best mascot in college sports, hands down, without question. Um, He's definitely a one technique defensive tackle. Big red, tight end, tight end, tight end. Absolutely, he'd be a well, he's beast. Like Mercedes Lewising in over here. I mean, what Listen, is... he, he'd, he'd be <laughs> awesome. Uh, the official for Sunday's game, Mick. Do, do, do you know who this is, and do you want to guess? I know you like to guess. I but don't I'll tell know you who it is. Yeah, I mean, I like guessing. I, uh, do you want to know the record in the games? Because I'm going to tell you this: you're not going to guess this guy. Okay, let's go. The Bengals ahead. are one in one in these games, and they haven't had him since 2020. Which is, to me is wild. When in t- what game in 2020? Texans. Cleet Blakeman. No, they've had Cleet Blakeman multiple times. Yeah, Cleet I knew Blakeman. that. It's, I'm just trying Brad to. Brad Rogers. <laughs> Brad Rogers is going to be real. the official. That guy's not real. Um, ironically enough, he's done two Bengals games. The Bengals are one and one. The 2020 win against the Texans, which ironically enough was the last time the Bengals had a win starting back a backup quarterback. quarterback. Does that mean anything? Not at all. Um, and then interesting here, 2019 against the Seahawks. Two interesting facts with that game is, of course, that was the first game for Zach Taylor as the head coach of the Bengals. But it was also Brad Rogers' first game as a head ref. Does that mean anything? Probably not. But there you go. One and one is the Bengals' record um, in games that Brad Rogers is the official for. Um, Brad Rogers refereed for two-thirds of John Ross's touchdown catches. <laughs> I remember seeing that and getting so hyped, being like, Zach Taylor has He's unlocked John, John Ross. Ross. And, then, and then even the second game, he had a he decent had really game against the Niners. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then we realized, no, he just sucked. Uh, make your keys to the game on Sunday against the Steelers. Um, keys to victory Sunday against the Steelers. Um, I'm gonna go with no turnovers from Jake Browning. Uh, just keep the ball safe. Uh, make you know show some uh, show some poise throwing the ball down the field and and scrambling and. Uh, you know, keeping it a, a very clean game and pretty much just doing the game managing aspect. I mean, I think the Bengals kind of unlocked something with their rushing game with Joe Mixon. Um, you know, they ran the ball a lot more early on in that game. So I think they're going to rely on him heavily. So I'd say on offense, just Jake Browning, just uh, keeping it a clean game. Um, on defense, uh, we're going to go back to uh, a familiar theme, Let which is pass rush yes yeah, so we've i've tried to tried to avoid saying pass rush the past <laughs> few weeks just because it it was getting too redundant but honestly this is a kind of more more in the favorable of matchups for the for the Bengals pass rush uh the Steelers don't have a very good offensive line at all um you know they've got a rookie offensive tackle in Broderick Jones who's kind of been up and down this year and you're doing with a, a core of four on the right side who hasn't been good 
Um, and then James Daniels, um, Dan Moore. I mean, those are those are names that um, don't really scare you. And those are names that you got to take advantage of. And I think Trey will have a pretty big game in this one. So I'm going to go with pass rush for the defense and, uh, you know, better tackling. They really got to start tackling better. Riley, you missed Mick's Nick Scott benching celebration. Happened oh, yeah. On the show. The defense you have more? doesn't have to worry about anything, actually, because Nick Scott's not playing. So that Scott, it's, it's all his it's, fault? <laughs> a lot of it is. Honestly, I mean, I think a lot of it is is, is Nick Scott's fault. It, I don't think – I think we overrated <laughs> how Nick important Scott. the two – I think we overrate how important the safeties are in NFL defenses because we've been dealing with, you know, a top five safety duo the past two years. And then both of those guys leave and, and you get Nick Scott to replace one of them in Dax. It's not like Dax has been, you know, to that Vaughn and Jesse level yet this year. I mean, he's shown some promise, but I don't know. Uh, yes. Yes. Riley. I, I did celebrate earlier about Nick Scott. I, uh, should have been a little bit sooner. Let's make our picks for Sunday, 1 o'clock. Bengals against the Steelers on CBS with Ian Eagle and Charles Davis. Mick and I will both be in attendance. Uh, I know we both said that, you know, this is when they need the fans even more. Um, and uh, Mick, I know I picked first past couple of weeks, so it's your turn. Who you got? Bengals, Steelers. I think it's going to be a close game, but I'm going to go Steelers. Um... Steelers 16, Bengals 13. What I'm giving you. Yeah, I mean, uh, fair enough. You know, and hey, the last time I picked the Bengals to lose, we won. It was the 90s. And you know game. what? Put no, Didn't you pick the Bengals to lose against the Ravens? No. Oh, you did pick the Bengals to win? Oh. Um, I'll put my fist down, Mick, because I can't, I can't pull it out of me. Nope. Bengals 90, Steelers 0. Jake Browning passes for 600 yards and 14 touchdowns. I don't know if that math adds up, but no. I'm going to go Bengals 16, Steelers 13. Oh, wow. Uh, so same score just flipped. Yes. That's exactly what I was thinking. Bengals 16. I think, like Riley said here, it's it's a money Mac kind of day. Um, and I think that uh, Jake Browning does just enough to win the game on Sunday. And I think it's more of just showing that the Steelers offense was not all just mad Canada. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I feel like we're not going to see any huge change in the Steelers offense until they get a, a, a completely new guy in on the offensive side of the football. So, yeah. Personally, I think they should have given Matt Canada a lifetime extension, but that's <laughs> just me. That's just me. Uh, I, we'll see. <laughs> What I was gonna say, you have no like particular motives for for that. Oh, no, I'm not biased by by any means when it comes to that. I'm only just stating facts. I think he's fantastic as an offensive coordinator and did a great job there. And I think they should keep Kenny Pickett as their quarterback for the rest of eternity because I think it's it's phenomenal having him there as a the quarterback. But uh, to everyone who, who tuned in today, uh, thank you. Uh, have a great Thanksgiving as well. Uh, if you celebrate, happy Thanksgiving. If not, uh, happy Thursday. Uh, tomorrow enjoy it uh however you might uh, be celebrating uh, if you're going to see us out there in the uh, uh at the game on sunday be sure to stay high 
We'll, we'll be outside probably at Bengal gyms before the game, like usual. So stop and say hi and give us a high five or tell us that we're wrong or something like that. Uh, make sure you follow us on our social media channels. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. Uh, we're on all of the podcasting platforms. And also make sure to follow our good friend, Josh Isles over at WDN Today on his Facebook page uh, for all of the action for Bengals content there as well. Uh, Mick, any parting thoughts? Uh, only uh, shout out to Chris, my brother-in-law, who's our new executive producer. And also happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thank you for watching. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Chris, our executive producer. I don't know that he knows that he's the executive producer. I'll let him know. Uh, you got. I'll let him know in a few minutes. Make sure got. that he knows that there is no salary to that position, <laughs> because I don't think either one of us can afford that. No, it's a voluntary thing. Okay. Well, good. I'm he glad that he involuntary vol. He involuntarily volunteered volunteered to be our executive producer. I. It makes perfect sense to me. I mean, you yeah. let him marry your sister, right? So that. Sometimes you got to do things <laughs> as a family member. Okay. <laughs> Got to take one for the team, as we say. Uh, have a happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Uh, enjoy the game on Sunday, and hopefully when we're talking back here next Wednesday at 8 o'clock Eastern, that it'll be a happy day, and we'll be able to talk about uh, a Bengals victory over the Steelers because there's nothing I enjoy more in the world than the Bengals beating the Steelers, especially with a backup quarterback. It's happened before, guys. Ryan Finley, bring him back. <laughs> uh, have a good night, everyone, and who day? New day. See you guys.